You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to see everyone at church today. You're looking great. Uh, I'm excited about this message here. Before we jump into it, um, I want to give you an update first about our property. Uh, we've been, I've been trying to do this and include the church in every week to week, kind of how things are going. Um, we had a big snowstorm. Everybody aware of that? I got some snow at my house. It took Grace like five hours to shovel. I was so hungry for breakfast. I was waiting for her while she was shoveling. Anyway... Um, <laughs> I just like having fun with that joke. Um, but anyway, so the, the team from Kansas City flew in, and two of them, uh, the important ones, so to speak, they flew in the day before the storm, so they made it. And uh, we ended up meeting at, uh, on that big storm day at 6 o'clock p.m. at a hotel, uh, the Doubletree, right by I-25 and 120th Castle. So we have such an amazing, amazing church board, guys. You should know that. These people care about this church and care about you, and and, uh, and they were there. So it was really, really cool. But uh, the whole purpose of that meeting was about uh, organizational alignment, vision alignment, making sure these two organizations are going to be sharing the property together, um, have the same heartbeat kind of thing. And it became really, really clear that we do. We do. In fact, one of the one of the uh, one of the executives there, he plays on his church band, his worship team, and he plays the guitar, and his son plays the drums. So anyway, it was just really, really cool time, and they made it very, very clear that they want to go forward with this. They want to go forward with this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they uh, uh, we talked a lot about that and 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 kind of what this looks like and and kind of thing. And interestingly enough, our our property, our location. Um, the, every the, they looked at they look at many many properties literally across the nation across the nation, and um, it's all driven by data analysis. So it's all numbers, and they forecast uh, growth and projections and that kind of thing. And our property is uh, three to five percent of the high end of the probability of a success. Uh, I mean, in a good way, it, it's it's really really high. In other words, uh, there's little risk. Little risk because of the population projections where we're located. Um, so anyway, the, the, the building that they're planning on building is uh, pretty amazing. It's a brick, all four sides, and it's like a, like a resort is what it feels like. I mean, it's really pretty impressive. So um, the next day, we had a meeting with the city at 10 o'clock in the morning, and that was a really good meeting as well. Um, the big concern with this property is just the site cost because it's on a hill. So we're looking at close to $2 million of just site work before you build anything. That's a lot of money for dirt, uh, just to, you know, infrastructures and stuff and retainer walls and sewer lines and loops and curb and gutter and whatever. And so it's, that's just a lot of money. So that's their big concern. So right now at this point, um, they're still saying about five acres on the north end is what, what they're thinking they'll be using. And uh, we're just talking about what this looks like. So the name of the development there, the community is called Capstone. So they're talking about naming it Capstone at Thorn Creek, uh, which makes a lot of sense. And um, so it's going well. So at this point, they, they have not made an official offer because they're just trying to get their arms around all the site work costs. That's what they're trying to do. And, which is understandable. And uh, hopefully in the next uh, week, two weeks, three weeks, we'll get back a call from them and they'll make a formal offer and, 
and we'll sit down and, and, uh, and see how this all fits together. So appreciate your prayers. Thank you so much for being on this journey. It's a faith journey, guys. It's a faith journey. And you guys are the rock stars in, in uh, committing to this church while you sit on these comfortable chairs and, and doing church in a school. And you'll, you'll be part of the story. So thank you so much. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Continue to have your way here, Lord. Um, this is your church. And uh, we are your people, God. By your grace, uh, take a hold of me, Lord, just like you used Paul. Uh, take a hold of me. Thank you for that word you shared with me out of First Timothy this morning too, God. Humble to be here, God. May your Holy Spirit work in me and through me um, in a mighty way. Lead me, guide me, God. Um, this is not a positive, motivational talk, God. This is a talk right, right from you, God, anointed by your Spirit. That's my desire, Lord. And would you just give God permission to move in your hearts? Just tell him, God, speak to me. And just make it a, a real prayer. Just say, God, I need, I need to hear a word from you, God. Touch me, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Nothing like the church, guys. Hey, um, this week, did you uh, see something on the news? I may have seen a lot of things on the news. Grace told me about this. and I, 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 uh, The Justice Department on Tuesday charged 50 people, including two television stars, with participating in a multi-million dollar bribery scheme that enabled privileged students and lackluster grades to attend prestigious colleges and universities. Anybody see this? Um, the allegations included cheating on entrance exams and bribing college officials to say certain students were athletic recruits when those students were not, in fact, athletes at all. When I saw this, I thought, man, I could have gone to UCLA and played football there. That was my first thought. I could have gone there. Um, but uh, did this surprise anyone? I'm just curious. Raise your hand if you were surprised. You were just so blown away that something like this could happen in our world. Anyone surprised? Why aren't we surprised with this? Why aren't we surprised with this? Have you ever been um, stood up? Have you ever been stood up? Uh, Dallas Willard said this, there is a credibility gap in our world. Such a great show, a movie right there, Meet the Parents. There is a credibility gap in our world. Um, <clears throat> has anyone ever told you, hey, I will be there and they don't show up? You ever experienced that? Maybe once, maybe? Have you ever experienced someone said, hey, I will call you at this time, and they don't call you? Uh, have you ever experienced someone say, hey, I'll serve, I'll volunteer, and then they just don't show up? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Or, or you know, whoever it is, the utility guy or the cable guy, and I'm going to be there, or, or whoever it is, I will be there, and they don't show up. Why are we not surprised with this? Why are we not surprised with this? Um, Jesus chose six things to talk about with these Pharisees and teachers of the law. These Pharisees and teachers of the law were bright, smart people, educated people. And in fact, they knew what's known as the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They knew it by memory. What's Leviticus chapter 17, verse 3? They knew it by memory. And, and yet, in all of this... Jesus describes, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, Jesus decides to hit six issues. Now, these six issues are, are pretty important. At least Jesus brings them up. What's really interesting about these six issues is uh, the, the teachers of the law and, and, and the Pharisees, 
for the most part, they knew it already. They knew it already. And Jesus brings up, now he brings up this here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Here it is. Again, you have heard what the, that the ancients, were, ancients were told, you shall not make false, what church? False. But shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no, what church? Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Why in the world would Jesus talk about this? Why is this a big deal? Is it a big deal? <clears throat> is it a big deal? Let's talk about definitions here. Vow. A vow is a solemn promise made between two entities. If you are married, there's a good chance you had marriage vows. I promise you know, to have you to hold you from this day on, for better, for worse, for riches, for poorer. But an oath. Oath is a commitment one makes toward telling the truth or any other matter, usually by calling towards something greater than him or herself. And we do oaths today. Sometimes they're called sworn testimonies. If you've been a, had the honor to be part of this, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Now, in the Bible, you see examples of oaths and vows. So Jesus, first of all, is not saying this is a bad thing. Jesus is not saying this is a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> what, here's some examples. Genesis chapter 28 says this, Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and, and if he will pr provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth, that's a tithe, of everything he gives me. That's a vow that, that he makes. And then in Deuteronomy in chapter 10, Scripture says, Fear the Lord your God and serve him, hold fast to him, and take your oaths in his name. Numbers says this, A man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. And in fact, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, when he was under trial, um, he was uh, challenged with an oath. Verse Matthew chapter 26 says this, But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And if you read the next verse, Scripture says Jesus said, I am the Son of God. He, he says that. Um, the fact that there are rules about taking oaths says something. It, it, it presupposes that there's this disease, a corruption in our world. And here it is. There's something inside of us that says it's okay to lie. There's something inside all of us that says it's okay to lie just a little bit. It's okay. You don't, don't lie the big lies, no, but the little lies are okay. That's acceptable. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, 
Oaths are a sign that we live in a world of lies. The whole idea behind this oath is, okay, do you, do you promise? Even, even in the courtroom, how, how, isn't it interesting that you put your hand on the Bible and you raise your right hand and you have your hand, okay, I'm really going to tell the truth now. I think we should live like this every day, shouldn't we? Or is it only in front of certain situations where we're like, okay, I really, I promise not to lie. And even with that, we're not surprised when someone lies, even if they have their hand on the Bible. And in the Bible, we see people who lied. Over and over, Cain lied. Abraham lied. Jacob lied. David lied. Peter lied. You can go right down the road. and It's describing the condition of our hearts. Even the devil himself, Jesus called him the father of lies. That's who the devil is. The father of lies. And in fact, I've seen the devil work so many times. He pulls the strings of people and he feeds people lies all the time. Church is a waste of time. It's for weak-minded people. Nobody cares about you. You're so bad. You'll never, you'll never be or you never could or it'll never make it. It never works. And they don't love you and he doesn't love you. She doesn't love you. They don't care the father of lies. We have people who don't come to church anymore because the father of lies has worked in them. That church, all of them think they're, you're, all, all of them think you're this, all of them. And it's like, wow, the father of lies. When was the last time you lied? When was the last time you lied? <clears throat> when was the last time you lied? According to one study, According to one study, in a 10-minute conversation, we tell an average of 3.3 lies. Now, I know what you're thinking. See, Pastor Ruben has been talking for how long now? He's been talking to me. <laughs> like, how long has he been talking now? How long is he? <laughs> 3.3 lies. Another study said we are lied to about 200 times on a given day. On a given day, we are lied to about 200 times. You know, some questions are really hard. Like, um, so why were you late? Um, what, what did you do last night? Where, where were you? What were you looking at on your phone? Who were you texting? Who, who, who were you chatting with? What time did you go to bed? You know, at a restaurant, how was your meal? At the grocery store, did you find everything you needed? Or you're buying something and you're asking the salesperson, is this a good deal? <clears throat> I, I lie to my dentist every six months, every time they ask the floss question, all the time. It's just life. I, there's certain, and it's really interesting how simple, simple, small situations, we just lie. We just lie. And it's just like, it's like, it's okay. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. We have learned the art of splitting hairs and being able to sleep at night. We've learned that art. <clears throat> We've learned it. We call it the white lie. Stretching the truth. Sugarcoating. And we do it on social media. We do it in, on applications. We do it in resumes. We do it in... Uh, with friends, we do it with family. Uh, families, families are full of lies. In your home, it's very, very likely there's lies that you know that exist that nobody talks about. 
Lies that mom and dad have, lies that mom has that she never shared with anyone else, lies that sister or brother has, lies that you've had that you've never shared in every home. There's like these lies that nobody ever talks about, and people think they're a secret, but it's out, and, and, and in every home, there's these lies that exist. James said it again, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just say a simple, what church, just say a simple it's really hard. Just say a simple, <laughs> turn to the person next to you and just say, tell them this, say yes or no. Can you do that? Say yes or no. Because I, I know this is really hard. So that you will not sin and be condemned. Do you realize we live in a, a world now where very many people say yes or no? Have you realized that yet? Very few people say yes or no. Some people are really good when you, when you ask them something, you know, can you, can you make it? They'll give you a long explanation about something. Or did you do this? A long explanation, a whole lot of words, and you're like, just say yes or no. Can you, can you make it or can't you? Have you ever talked to someone and you know at least 1% of what they're saying is a lie and you're just trying to figure out which 1% it is? You ever had that gut feeling when you're talking to someone and you're thinking, okay, what, what part is it? Um, let me ask you this. Do you believe more or less when someone says, I swear I'm telling you the truth? God is my witness Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. All of a sudden, it's like, ooh, they're telling the truth now. I was talking to our police officers last night, and, and they were laughing throughout the whole message because they hear, you know, police officers hear lies all the time. And they told me the best thing that they, they, they know that the person is lying is they always say, I swear on my mama, I didn't know. <laughs> so if you swear on your mama, then you're going to be telling the truth. Truth is at an all-time low in our culture. All-time low in our culture. We see it every day. We see it in families, in schools, in politics, in media, in the church. Truth is at an all-time low. And some of us just live like that, right? You're just suspicious all the time. That's how you live. That's how you roll. What's our problem? Why are we reluctant to say yes or no? Some people pride themselves with the ability without to say yes or no. And simple questions like, can you be there? Can you do this? And their answer is, well, I'll have to see. I'm not sure. Maybe. I'll have to look. I'll have to check my schedule. Hopefully. And they say all the, they don't commit to anything. They don't promise anything. They learn the art of giving ambiguous, noncommittal, vague responses. They have a reputation for not being depended on. Very few people will say yes. Have you realized that? Very few people will say yes. And maybe it's because inside we always want a way out. And we don't want to say yes because then all of a sudden we have to be a person of our word and actually do what we say we're going to do. So rather than putting us in that situation where we have some guilt and we have the next well, this options are always open. I don't know, maybe, hopefully, I don't see, will, maybe, should, but I don't know, don't count on me. Just say yes or no and keep your word. What would your life look like if you simply did what you said you would do? People who grow in their walk with God, they are not afraid of commitments. They just commit to the right things. If you want to grow to become that man God has called you to be or that woman, 
You just commit to the right things. You don't become evasive and, 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 and this kind of thing. I have a question for parents. I want to challenge you to ask your kids something. Ask them this question. Have I ever promised you something that I've not done? <clears throat> ask your kid that. I've ever promised you something that I've not done. Some of you are like, I am not going to be asking my kid that question. <laughs> Other kids are like, yeah, I'm so glad Pastor was talking about this. Uh, and, and, and let me just talk to, to, the, to those of you, the students, the kids around here. Just don't lie to your parents. Don't lie to your parents. God tells them everything, so don't lie. <clears throat> Jesus says it's in the heart. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus says, here's our problem. But the words you speak from the heart, that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, and what church? There it is. In slander. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. <clears throat> you know, when... Uh, uh, it's very natural to, to deal with the tip of the iceberg than, than the bottom. Jesus makes it really clear. He says it's a heart issue. That greed, that anger, that lust, <clears throat> all those vices, the lying, it comes from your heart. It comes from your heart. So you could say, I'm going to try not to lie. I'm not, no more white lies. And I'm going to try, try, try but you're going to fail, fail, fail until you let God have all of your heart. Until you let his Holy Spirit work in your heart. Because if you don't let the Holy Spirit, if you don't, let God, if you don't give God permission to take over your heart, lying is just easy. Parents, have you ever talked? I mean, who taught their kids how to lie? Any parent do that? Where did they pick that up from? It's the sinful nature that we're born with into this world. And we naturally do things that... that just stroke our sinful nature. And that's what we do. It's easy to lie. It's easy to fudge the truth. It's easy to embellish. And it's a spiritual heart condition. It's a spiritual heart condition. Um, I think it was the week before, yeah, two weeks ago when I flew to Orlando, um, I went to a conference there, a pastor's conference. Pastor Jeremy and I went together uh, with a whole bunch of other pastors. But I came back from Orlando to, I was going to Kansas City to preach at a men's retreat there. So I'm by myself uh, flying, and um, I had a layover in St. Louis. So I go from Orlando to St. Louis. So I'm in St. Louis, and I'm flying southwest, and um, <clears throat> everyone gets off the plane, but I get to stay on the plane because I don't have to get off. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so I'm, uh, I, I'm like in the 17th row, whatever it is, and I get to move to first class on southwest. You know what that means. That's like the first row, right? On Southwest. <laughs> it's not really first class, but it's the first row. So I go ahead and move all the way up, and they're waiting, you know, to board the next passengers and all this stuff. So I'm sitting down, and I think I'm looking at my phone, and I'm, I'm just sitting there. And while I'm, I'm sitting there looking at my phone, um, I see the flight attendants, they're all rushing to the back of the plane. And I hear them say, we have to call the paramedics. We have to call the paramedics. And, and I'm like, you know, whatever they're doing, they're doing. I'm looking at my phone. So I'm looking at my phone. I think I'm texting Grace, telling her where I'm at or something like that. And then one of them comes up to me and says, don't you know Spanish? Can you help? And then she runs away. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> so I go to the back of the plane. It's like seat row 27, whatever it is. And there's this man that's sitting down. And he's sitting in the seat, and all these flight attendants are all around him, and they tell me he can't move. There's something physically wrong with him. He can't move, and he speaks Spanish. 
can you help? And I said, yeah, I can help. You know, I know Spanish, like Nacho Belgrande and pantalones and stuff. So, I'm like, <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and start. So I start talking to him in Spanish, and they're just watching me talk to him in Spanish, which is really, you know, Toby, you would have been so proud of my Spanish. So I'm talking to him, and I find out there's nothing wrong with him physically. I ask him, can you stand and walk? He said, oh, yeah. I said, what, what's wrong? And he said, it's my family. He said, I, my family, he said, I'm hurting so much over my family. My heart is broken over my family. And he couldn't get out of the plane. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, let me pray for you right now. Is that okay if I pray? He goes, yeah. So I'm praying for him in the nombre de Cristo Jesus. You know, you'd have been so proud of me. And I'm praying. It just comes out, and I'm praying for him. And I, I pray for him, and I pray for his heart. And I pray for his family. And, the, and all the flight attendants are watching, you know, just like, you know, this, like, what's going on kind of thing. And then when I said, okay, and then he gets up, and I should have at that moment say, in the name of Jesus, walk. That would have been really cool. And the flight attendants would have been like, wow. <laughs> but anyway, so he just gets up, and he's starts walking out. And I, I tell the flight attendants, there's nothing wrong with him physically. It's his heart. And as he's going out, they have a wheelchair for him. He didn't need a wheelchair, but they thought he did. And I hear them saying, vaya con Dios. You know, that's like comes from an old Clint Eastwood movie. I don't know where that comes from, but that was in Spanish. But I, I, they, they roll away, and then they came back. They thought I was a Southwest Airlines uh, employee. That's why they asked me to help, which then they were really happy. And then I asked to fly the plane, and they wouldn't let me. But anyway, um, so... <laughs> Our heart problems can affect us physically. Spiritual conditions can affect us physically. It affects your face. I tell this all the time. Ladies, you know what the best makeup to wear? Jesus on your heart. It's the best makeup. You want to look beautiful. Men, you want to look strong and handsome? It's Jesus in your heart. You want to age well? It's Jesus in your heart. And Jesus, over and over, he focuses on the heart, and he says, look, you've got heart issues. You've got pride issues in your heart. You've got anger issues in your heart. You've got stubbornness. You've got all of this stuff in your heart. You've got all this, and let God work in your heart, and then everything that comes out of your mouth will be good, and your decisions will be good, and your life will be different, and you'll live a freer life, a liberating life. Live like that. When presented with God's law, our temptation is to always diminish it or subvert it. We diminish it by saying, if I kept this one aspect, I'm good. But lying exposes the deceitfulness of our hearts. We are self-justification masters. We are self-justification masters. Haven't you seen it? Haven't you seen it? Like, you're really good. You're really creative. Where did you hear that? Self-justification masters. God wants you to be known for your word. And he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's the message Jesus is saying to these teachers of the law. Have you ever known someone who you can count on what they say? Have you ever known anyone like that? That you know whatever they're going to say, they're going to do. And whatever they're going to speak, it's going to be true. Do you know anyone like that? Proverbs says this, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and a fool. Better to be poor and honest. Be more passionate about your integrity than your money. That's rare. That pleases God. Psalm chapter 51 is a great chapter. <clears throat> 
Psalm chapter 51 is David's prayer of repentance. Scripture says when you sin, we're, we're called, we need to repent. We turn to God with all of our hearts and we say, you confess our sins to God. And Psalm chapter 51 is the phenomenal prayer of King David after he sinned with Bathsheba. So if, you, if, if and when you sin, here's what you should do, is open up your Bible to Psalm chapter 51 and just read it out loud. You can do it in your car, some private place, because the, 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 the words, they're so poetic and, and they're so beautiful. David was really, really good at grabbing the heart of God. He knew how to repent. And in there, in his prayer, Psalm chapter 51, verse 6, David says this, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. That's your God. Your God desires truth in your innermost being. That's soul talk right there. That's soul talk. See, some of you, you even lie to yourself. I'm not that way. I'm not that. I'm not that. And God wants you to live a life of truth even in your innermost being. The Quakers, uh, God bless them, in the 1870s, Wanamakers in Philadelphia and Macy's in New York uh, began affixing physical tags to items, eliminating haggling because they found it immoral. So before the Quakers, before the Quakers, this is what, what you know, we would do in America is we would offer, we would, we would start a price up here and you would come and you would offer a price way down here and we would haggle until we came to some place. Maybe I got the better deal, you got the better deal, whatever it was. And, and, and that's how price, uh, that's how you know, the transaction of items would, would happen. The Quakers, they really prided themselves in, in living a, a, a honest life so, so uh, the, this, this gentleman and the Quaker said, we can't do this anymore. We're going to, they, they saw it as, as lying. So they invented the price tag. And he said, this is what we're going to do. It's just going to, we're just going to, here's the price tag. And, and that's how, and, and the price tag now is everywhere. You go to King Supers, wherever you're at, obviously, and there it is. But you know what the Quakers call this? Plain speech. Plain speech. Speaking without spin. What a life. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just live a life of honesty and integrity. N.T. Wright said this, Jesus is not just giving us moral commands. He's unveiling a whole new way of being human. You don't have to lie. Live your life before God. Colossians says this, don't lie to each other. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Isn't that good? See, you can't do this on your own power. You need the power of God to work in you. You need his Holy Spirit. And the whole essence of being a follower of Jesus Christ is you become more like Christ. That's the essence of being a disciple, to become more like the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You know what I love about 
a lot of things I love about Jesus and the disciples, but you know what I love about the disciples is, um, and, and we have a picture for, for you. I don't know if they actually look like this. Obviously, they didn't. But they were fishermen. Anyone like fishing? I love fishing. I grew up saltwater fishing. I grew up bass fishing in lakes and stuff, too. I love fishing. But everyone knows there's what's known as the fisherman's tail. Did you, did you, get, did you get one? Oh, one got away? How big was it? How big was it? It's like it's part of the culture of being a fisherman. And how big was it? Well, the first time I'll tell you, it was about this big. And, by the, you know, and the second time I'll tell you, and the third time, <laughs> next time I'll tell you, it was, he was bigger than my boat and he just got away. It was just, oh man, it was so big. I just got away, you know. And everyone just laughs, fisherman's tail. And I just, I just look at, these guys are fishermen. They know what it feels like to be skunked. They know what it feels like to go out in a day and, and lose one on the line or lose one that was in the net. Or they know what all that feels like. And this whole fisherman's tail. And, and I just have to wonder how many fishermen's tails happened during the lives of the disciples. And then you know what's really cool? Jesus chose fishermen to live a life of truth. Fishermen. You know what that tells me? There's hope for all of us. Maybe right now you're one of these people that you're just a pathological liar and you've become so comfortable with it. It's natural. You don't even, it doesn't even bother you anymore. And you just do it and there's almost no conscience at all. If you let God work in your heart, he could even take you and fill you with his love and grace and presence and peace, and you could become a truth teller. You could live a life of truth before God. What a life, living your life in such a way where you don't have to worry about the last thing you said. What a life. Living your life in such a way that you don't have to look over your shoulder. What a life. Living your life in such a way that you don't have to keep a certain door closed in your life that you don't want anyone to open. What a life. Living a life of truth before God. Jesus says it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. So he said, just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Just that simple. Psalm chapter 24 talks about heaven. It says this, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Who do not worship idols. That's a whole bunch of stuff. And what church? And wow. <clears throat> so why were you late? So what were you doing? Did you do this? Did you do that? Whatever. Live a life of complete honesty. So here's the challenge. Live a life of truth. <clears throat> Can you start with one week? Can you go Sunday to Sunday? I was talking to someone yesterday when they were leaving church. I said, hey, you going to take up that challenge? She said, I'll do it for one week. And I was like, I love the honesty. <laughs> so he said, I love the honesty. But I'll do it for one week. And I just gave him a hug and a kiss. I didn't give him a kiss. I'm lying. I just gave him a hug. See, it's just that easy. <laughs> Live a life of truth. How about just do it for longer than a week? How about them apples? Try that out. Live a life of truth. It was, one of, it was important enough that it was one of the six hot items that Jesus talked about. It's so common in our culture, but we don't have to live like the world lives. We're Christians. 
those of you who put their faith in Christ. God, thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you, God, for your presence here. And if you want to live a life of truth, would you just make this your prayer? Would you just say, uh, God, I need you to change my heart. Change my heart, God. It's easy for me to lie right now. I call it a white lie or whatever it is, God. It's just the world I live in. It's the workplace I work. It's my friends that I roll with, whatever. God, I just ask you to clean my heart. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Help me to live a life of truth. Maybe you need to say this prayer. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to know the life, the abundant life that you promised me. I want to be a follower of Christ. So I ask you to just come into my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God. Put your Holy Spirit in me to give me the ability to uh, live a life of truth and and take out anything else that you see in my heart that needs to be taken out of God. God, I pray for every home. I pray for your grace, your presence to be in every home. I pray for every marriage. And I just pray against the father of lies. You have no business speaking in the ear of anyone here at Thorn Creek. No business. And we just rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for your great love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.